Hello and welcome to episode 91 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's been an eventful morning. We're recording this on Saturday, so you can read between the lines, figure out what's happening in the world as we record this. But Jacob, how are you? No, I'm doing all right. It's It's been a crazy week, but you know, it's uh, at least there's a lot of baseball to talk about. Yeah, we have lots of stuff to talk about. There's been, in addition to everything happening in the world right now, so much happening in the baseball world. So let's just start things off with what we know is going to be a fun conversation. Uh, Charlie Montoyo nominated as a finalist for the Manager of the Year Award, in addition to Hyunjin Ryu being a finalist for Cy Young Award in the American League. But I, I think we all know Hyunjin Ryu deserves the award or at least deserves to be nominated for it because he was absolutely fantastic the, this year, not just for the Blue Jays because they haven't had an ace in a number of years, but just overall he had fantastic numbers, did exactly what the Blue Jays needed him to do. But Charlie Montoyo is a little bit of a different story. We have talked about him all year. Uh, we even had a podcast a couple months ago saying, well, does he deserve to be manager of the year after I think it was, um, it was the John, John Heyman. Yeah. yeah, I think it was John Heyman who tweeted about it. And we talked about it then, but we're going to talk about it again now because now it's a reality. He is one of the final three who could be nominated. So what do you guys think? Do you think he deserves the award or at least deserves to be a final three for the award? Or do you think it's kind of a joke looking at the mistakes he made throughout the season with the Blue Jays? I wouldn't call it like a. I, don't, I wouldn't call his nomination a joke. I think he deserves the nomination. I don't think he will win it though. Um, I think it will go to Kevin Cash, even though we all know uh, how he managed the last game of the World Series. Obviously, the award is based off of the regular season, so it makes sense to why it could go to Kevin Cash, and that's my top choice as well. The other finalist was uh, Rick Renteria, who is no longer with the White Sox. He was the uh, he was let go at the end of the season, so that's kind of a weird nomination, but. Um, it's happened before in sports where you know a former coach of a team is nominated or wins coach of the year. Um, you can relate to the Raptors a few years ago when uh, Dwayne Casey won coach of the year when he was fired after. So it's it's a little weird. But so anyways, going back, um, my my top choice would be definitely Kevin Cash. But when it comes to Charlie Montoyo, I don't you know call it a joke or I can understand that the nomination for you know many reasons. We we've we've been over this. Uh, a ton of times, and we know that Montoya is a well-liked person around the clubhouse, probably within the organization. Um, you know, the way he handled, I guess, he definitely had a part to do with this year with the team being able to bond well. We know the the hurdles they had going all the way back to July when they had summer camp in Toronto. You know, the the whole idea of they weren't, uh, they didn't have a home, they didn't play their first, first home game in Buffalo until I think it was like August 10th or something like that. So just the hurdles they overcame and um, a team that almost lost 100 games the year before, he definitely had a good uh, season. I, well, I, I wouldn't say good. I, I would say good, actually. It's just it was it was complicated because he definitely did some things that were better. And then, of course, everything that he did or most of the stuff he did in terms of managing a game with the bullpen was questionable. Going back to pretty much the first game of the season, we all know how that went. Um, it felt like forever ago. And then I guess... You know, throughout the year with the starting pitching limits, you know, the lack of trust of facing, you know, the pitcher going through the third time through the order, things like that. And just sometimes the way he manages lineup card, it was just very questionable. Mark, I know you have your strong opinions on this, so um, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, um, I'm fine with him being nominated for manager of the year. I guess for those reasons, he somewhat deserves it. But of course, once again, my pick will be Kevin Cash, and I think Kevin Cash will get it. And uh, good for Montoyo, but you know, heading into a year in 2021, this team's gonna have a lot more expectations now, and Montoyo's gonna have to, um, you know, learn from his mista mistakes he did this year, and he's gonna have to get familiar with managing, you know, in crucial games and in, in a winning environment because this this thing's gonna happen again. We're expecting a full season next year, and um, yeah, Montoyo pretty much needs to clean th some things up, but of we all know he is well-liked around the organization and the clubhouse, so credit to him for being nominated for Manager of the Year. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to win, unfortunately. Uh, I think it will be Kevin Cash, but I, I think it's interesting because all three of us have been pretty critical of Montoyo and his, some of his questionable decisions, 
And I think that's because we watch every single game where you got guys that, you know, just look at the numbers or they don't necessarily uh, dig deep into, you know, the reasons behind the games or, and the, their results just because, you know, they they are also paying attention to other things, you know, within the league. But I think, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is, you know, better and, you know, more liked around the league than I imagine because... I remember the the last game of the regular season. It was I, Buck Martinez spent pretty much an entire inning talking about how Charlie Montoya was going to get some votes. And who knows? Maybe I mean, obviously, he did get some votes. He's one of the finalists. But maybe he, you know, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe you know, who knows? Uh, I think it, it, it's kind of tough because yes, this team did go from many many games under five hundred to now over five hundred, although in a shortened season, but. The team looked better than it did last year, and I think a lot of it has to do with the players and not so much, you know, who's controlling the players. But I don't know. I mean, I I do think Charlie does deserve a bit of credit. He's not terrible. He is liked around the the league and the and the clubhouse. You know, they all, you know, uh, Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro, they picked him for a reason. They you know he, they have chemistry together. That you know they have a a good bond, and especially with you know all the you know, going to summer camp in Toronto, then not knowing where they were going to play and spending the first two weeks of the season on on the road, basically, they, you know, he was able to really rally them and say, you know what, it doesn't matter, we can still win some games, and they did. Uh, it. Although, with that being said, I, I don't know if you can really say that he was among the league's best. I, like I said earlier, and like we've said before, the players, at the end of the day, they were better this year. You know, guys had more time in the league uh, Teoscar Hernandez had a breakout year. Bichette was very good, except for, you know, he had to miss some time because of injury. Uh, Ryu was fantastic. You know, they had players that were performing better than they did last year. Or in Ryu's case, you know, he you know, he's an ace. He's obviously going to pitch well. But it's it's just tough. I, I don't know how much you can say that it's uh, on the manager for how good the team was. Although, it does feel kind of weird because, I mean, this this is the manager of the team I cheer for. So, I mean, I should be happy that, you know, he got nominated and was recognized for, you know, a good performance. But at the same time, I think it's tough to to just blindly agree. I think we have to realize that, it, unfortunately, he's not going to win. I don't think so, just because, like I said, he made a lot of mistakes at times. He's learning, too. He's, uh, you know, he's he's never really managed and been the, you know, at the forefront of running a major league team. But I think overall, you know... It, it's a good step in the right direction for him. I think definitely next year he's going to have to be better, especially with a full season. You know, you can't you know, give up as many games as the Blue Jays and even he did last year. But, I mean, congrats to him. I, like I said, I don't think he's going to win, but he definitely is. I, I think a lot of it has to do with you know how much of a uh, or how, how much people like him around the clubhouse, and you know he is he's their guy. He's the guy that the Blue Jays like, and it's just it's it's showing here. I think. Yeah, it's undeniable that the Blue Jays went through a lot this season and he led the Blue Jays through that because, as you mentioned, you know, not having a place to play, figuring out that they're going to Toronto for summer camp, literally like the day of or the day before, and then finding out that they're not going to be playing the season in Toronto and then going to playing the first two weeks on the road and then playing in a minor league stadium. And then on top of all that, making the postseason, like you can't understate the challenges that the Blue Jays went through, especially when you consider all the injuries they had and the fact that, you know, you had so many good performers from so many different parts of the lineup, different parts of the bullpen in the rotation. And it just all worked out for the Blue Jays this year. It was a tremendous season for them. And I don't think you can totally take Charlie Montoyo out of that equation. I think it's mostly because of the players, but obviously part of it is because of him. Um, But I think it's difficult because he did make stupid decisions in-game, right? Like putting in Lourdes Gurriel Jr. uh, seventh when he's the hottest hitter in Major League Baseball, just one AL player of the, the week. Why would you bat him seventh instead of batting third and you lose the game because of it because you lose the game? I think it was game against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, lose it by one run, you could have had Lourdes Goriel Jr. in that situation 
and he would have gotten hit because he was on fire. You know, instead, you have, I think it was Randall Grishik hitting third. It just doesn't make sense. Some of these decisions didn't make sense. But I think the line that we maybe have to draw is the fact that a lot of these decisions aren't being made by Charlie Montoyo. Some of them are. Of course, we go back to the first season, for, excuse me, first series of the season. Um, you have Charlie Montoyo leaving in Ken Giles when he's clearly injured. He ends up missing almost the rest of the entire season. Um, now having to, um, I think, undergoing Tommy John surgery. So, like, you have huge mistakes that he has made that were clearly his responsibility. Obviously not anyone else's responsibility. No one else is going to be on the field saying, or in the front office, you know, calling down to the the, the dugout saying, Charlie, you got to take Ken Giles out here because he's clearly injured. That's obviously Charlie's decision. But other decisions, like the lineup, like, when to pull guys out of the game, etc. I think that is the front office's decision. So while we might disagree with the front office on that, I don't think Charlie should be held responsible for that. So it's difficult of whether, like how to make the distinction between those two things and whether we think Charlie still deserves manager of the year. And then, of course, you go to some of the other people nominated. Kevin Cash, um, Bryson, you think that he's going to win it this year, but... He's also made dumb decisions in the field, especially, you know, Game 7 of the World Series, taking Blake Snell out, which lost the World Series for the Tampa Bay Rays. So, I think, like, the, the role of the manager in today's game is so different than it has been in the past, which makes the decision process for the people voting for manager of the year so different, and it makes it kind of unpredictable as to who's going to win. Um, I think you're right, Bryson. I think it will be Kevin Cash, but I honestly think, like, the manager is so much more behind the scenes than in-game decisions now that it's kind of hard to tell. And I think we should at least commend the job that Montoyo did for, um, you know, going through what the Blue Jays went through, but still being able to make the postseason. Exactly. And yeah, we, we all know the story of what happened with Blake Snell. And of course, in that scenario, modern day baseball, or how you look at it, lost them the World Series. And um, it was kind of like a similar approach to what Charlie Montoyo does. Of course, they were previously together in Tampa and it was you know one of the fears was Blake Snell going through the third time through the order uh, against the LA Dodgers and of course when he was uh, relieved from the game uh, it all went downhill for Tampa so that ultimately lost him the World Series and yeah uh, that definitely does put a tarnish to his you know reputation around the league as a manager but you know if you want to count the votes I believe it is based off regular season but of course everyone is going to remember that for a very long time it will go down as probably one of the worst decisions or biggest mistakes in World Series history, and that's what people have already been talking about in terms of from a manager standpoint. And, you know, for Charlie Montoyo, of course, he did have his, you know, ups and downs, and of course, we all had our opinions on him. Um, and, you know, he's going to go into another season next year where I guess he has a chance to, you know, win some of those critics over, and maybe he can double down on his decision-making and, you know, learn from what he, he uh, went through this year. Because, of course, managing this year compared to 2019 was different for many reasons, you know, A, because of the 60-game season, and B, like I said, because, you know, the Blue Jays were in a competitive environment, and the decision decisions he made was even more important than a, a game where, you know, in September, you're, you're, you know, you've lost 90 games, and you're just hoping for the season to end, and that's one thing that Charlie Montoya has got to adapt to in terms of a, a winning environment, and I believe after next season, too, he has a club option for 2022, so that'll be interesting to see how that's handled next year, because technically, if he doesn't have a good season, the Blue Jays could potentially decline his option but I do think he would he'll be here beyond 2021 but just to note he does have a club option after the 2021 season yeah I think you you said something that I think does need to be you know a little bit emphasized or emphasized more is that this is a very different team than what we saw last year and first of all like you know like I've, I've said Charlie Montoya is not you know, he's not like John Gibbons where he's been managing for a while you know this he's pretty new to this too and I mean, I'm not saying inexperience is necessarily an excuse for making a bad decision, but at the same time, I kind of get it because, you know, when I'm still learning, I still, I, you know, there's errors I make, although it's you know, a little bit different when you're, you're expected to give a team or help a team win and make a lot of people a lot of money. But I think it's just, we got to kind of give Charlie a bit more of a chance because this is what this was. I mean, you can't even really call this a full season. He's played, he's managed, you know, one and a half seasons really, because this season, because of the, the, uh, the shortened season, he just 
didn't play as or didn't manage as much. But I think, you know, next year it'll be interesting. He's a it will be his third year as a manager, and he will be able to, you know, he'll take his his experience, and he'll be able to say, okay, you know what, we're a competitive team. Competitive team. Uh, we know that from the start now, and I think that will help help manage help him in his decisions. He's not gonna, you know, in middle middle of April, make a decision that he'll regret. And I say April because one of the things that I always find interesting is throughout social media during the first month of the season, everybody always tweets about and talks about how you know, oh, you can't you know say, oh, it's only April. It's okay if we lose a game because if you end up you know missing the playoffs. Uh, by one game, then you can look back to those games and say, well, you didn't take it seriously. So I think that will definitely play into it. I think this year maybe, you know, I I don't think anybody was necessarily uh, questioning if the Blue Jays were going to be good at all. I mean, there's a potential. I think the players believe that they could do well, but I think, you know, they they weren't as, uh, they weren't as uh, heavy in their pursuit of making the playoffs in the beginning. But then I think as, as time went on, they started to realize, hey, you know what? We got to you know, take this seriously because you know, we actually have a shot at making the playoffs. And they did, and I think that's definitely going to be the expectation for the next few years. Yeah, hopefully he can improve. And we talked about whether he should be fired. I think in retrospect, when the um, emotions perhaps have cooled off, cooler heads prevail, we can see that he shouldn't be fired. Um he did do a commendable job this year, even if he did make mistakes at some points and quite questionable mistakes that any other person shouldn't have made. But we're learning from them and hopefully we um, don't see those mistakes in the future. Um, so another thing we wanted to talk about manager wise today, since we're talking about managers, might as well keep with the manager uh, topic. Alex Cora um, rehired as a manager of the Red Sox. Uh, lots of flack online for the decision. Of course, he was suspended for a year, fired by the Red Sox for his role in the sign-stealing scandal, and now he's rehired by the Red Sox after one season. Um, They fired their previous manager, rehired Alex Cora. Um, I, I don't know what to make of this. It's very frustrating to see someone who, of course, played a role in this scandal, just take a year off from baseball and get rehired. We saw, I think it was the San Diego Padres when they made um, international signing violations. They had a, there was someone in their front office who got a lifetime ban from baseball. And then we see this much more visible, much more damaging scandal to baseball. And Alex Cora just has to take a year off and then he comes back. Um, it's really frustrating to walk, watch him already come back to baseball. And I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on it, but I, I'm, a lot of people were very frustrated, not just with the Red Sox, but with Major League Baseball for not being strict enough and stringent enough in their punishment to Alex Cora to allow him to just come back to baseball after a year. Yeah, I think, I guess integrity doesn't matter to the baseball uh, to the game of baseball anymore. Uh, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted because I, I get it. Look, people can move on. They can, you know, they can get better. But he, like you said, Mark, he took a year off, and not even a year off. He, he was literally hired by the same team. You know, like it just it makes my head hurt. I'll, I'll put it that way. It's just I, like I said, I I'm not against you know, or I'm I'm not you know for a lifetime ban and all. Oh, you can never come back to baseball because you cheated or you were you know part of this type of scandal. But at the same time. That's a terrible precedent that they just set. You know, you take a, you can cheat, win yourself a World Series, your your reputation will be tarnished. I'm not gonna you know socially, people are not gonna accept this. But like we said with the Astros, you you can do all this all these terrible things. You can cheat, you can get an unfair advantage over your opponents, and then just take a year off. You know, it's just it, I I don't. I'm more concerned about the future. I I don't know how many people are necessarily going <clears> to <throat> try and cheat in the future because, you know, nobody wants to be the next Alex Cora, the next AJ Hinch, the next uh, Jose Altuve. But like I said, you know, if you if you set a weak precedent and say, you know, even the Astros who were the worst at this, you know, you, what was it? I think a five million dollar fine and 
you know, a couple draft picks and whatnot, you know, there's where is really the deterrent? I mean, that's that's nothing. Five million dollars, like that, that's nothing in, in my opinion. And I just I don't I I feel like they should have, like you said, been harsher on this. And I've said this throughout the years. I this this was not a good enough punishment. And I, I don't know. I just if I'm the Red Sox, you know, how do you how do you just re-sign him? Like if say this was the Blue Jays and Charlie Montoya was doing that, would I really want to watch him manage my team again? I, I I really wouldn't. And it's just, I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm I'm not against people trying to move on and try to get better, but it's just the same team hired him that fired him and had to see him get suspended. So it's, it is a little weird in my opinion, but uh, we'll see. You know, hopefully he's, he, he said he's going to, you know, try and move on. Hopefully that happens, but at the same time, it's just, I, I don't know if I can really watch a Red Sox game and take them seriously anymore. Yeah, I'm not surprised one bit by the move. Um, it's something that I actually had a feeling it was coming, and I think going back to, you know, before, I guess, spring training shut down when we were talking about the Astros every week, from what I remember, and even after Alex Cora was let go by Boston, from what I remember, I was saying the possibility to you guys of the, you know, how Alex Cora can technically get rehired by Boston and technically AJ Hinch could have gotten rehired by Houston. But of course, um, you know, with Houston hiring Dusty Baker, it didn't seem very likely that AJ Hinch would go back. And then with Boston, um, just promoting their bench coach, um, it seemed more realistic that Alex Cora could be a Red Sox again. And going back to it, I'm not surprised by it. And, uh, I think based off what I've been reading too, a lot of Red Sox fans are happy with it. You know, a lot of people, Going through comments, I know it's biased opinion, but they're pretty much going over the fact that Alex Cora was caught in the middle of it. You know, he wasn't he wasn't involved as much as AJ Hinch, even though from what we've been hearing, Alex Cora was one of the main reasons behind it. Um, they're happy to have him back, and you know, once we heard for the first reports that Alex Cora was being you know interviewed by Boston, I think it came down to the fact that we or it came down to it being inevitable that he went back to Boston. You know, rather than passing on him to hire two guys or other candidates that you're not familiar with. In this case, Boston's very familiar with Alex Cora. And uh, Alex Cora and A.J. Hinch, they both sat out for a year. They served their suspension. So, you know, that's why I'm not too bothered by it, because of um, what's been going on. I fully expected it, and I think we all predicted that both A.J. Hinch and Cora would be back in the game. And going back to A.J. Hinch, Detroit was actually one of the reasons why, or one of um, people before A.J. Hinch was hired by Houston that were really interested in A.J. Hinch. They've always been interested in A.J. Hinch. And the fact that A.J. Hinch gets an opportunity to come back to a team that's previously, you know, shown a lot of interest in him, I think, um, you know, I think that's fine for for his standpoint. And for him, he'll be entering a different environment. He's going to be, you know, entering an organization that's in the middle of a, a long rebuild. I wouldn't even say in the middle. They're almost just getting started. But for Alex Corey, he's going to Boston again, pretty much a familiar team, minus Mookie Betts. Uh, we all know how that trade turned out for the Red Sox organization, but for, you know, an AL East fan for us in the Jays, um, we're pretty happy with the move and thank God we don't have to see Mookie Betts as, as much anymore. But for Alex Cora, you know, I just, it we all knew the suspension wasn't harsh and I think we all knew regardless if we're happy or not with it, that they'd be coming back to the game. And that's why I think um, people have to come to terms with it because it, 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 it kind of has boiled over the past few months, you know, COVID-19 really, kind of took attention away from the Astros. I, I wouldn't say full attention, but it was full transparency from that. And, you know, pretty much what we got after the spring shutdown was the question if baseball would even be back this year. And before that, it was all about how, you know, Houston's going to get destroyed wherever, whatever road city they go to. And the attention kind of shifted away from that. And that's why it kind of almost came under the radar. And I, I love how Boston, you know, decided to rehire him at a certain point. Um, on you know during the week this week, I, and you know you can't blame them for trying to do it, but I think a lot of people aren't stupid to notice you know what they're exactly what they were thinking. But you know, not surprised one bit that Alex Cora is back. You know, I guess if you you know for Jacob, I know you said you're upset with it too, and how you're going to take Boston seriously. I just you know it's it's kind of hard for me to argue with it because I just I can't argue with it because they both sat they both weren't you know they were gone for a full year. Well, technically it wasn't a full year, but they were gone for the 2020 season. You know, they didn't say anything during the season. You didn't hear from them. I just, you know, what else do you want, right? I know the suspension, going back to that, you can't change how the suspension, if you want to call it harsh or not. They both came to terms with it. None of them appealed it. They sat at home. 
Uh, they served the suspension. You know, they settled their contract disputes or whatever. They came to terms on agreements for buyouts and all of that. And you know, after that, they're back in the game. You know, regardless if you want to call them cheating or not, I you know that you can argue they both are in terms of AJ Hinch, AJ Hinch and Alex Cora. They're both good baseball minds, and for that reason, that's why I'm you know I'm fine with them being back in the game. They served their suspension, and you know, going back to March or when the suspensions were first handed out. That's a different argument in terms of if you it was harsh or not, and when you want to fast forward all the way to November, you know they 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 complied with the suspension and um, they served it and you know who knows if they're going to cheat again I doubt they will but of course never say never because you know once you do it it's kind of hard you know that's the one thing you don't want to be a repeat offender but um, not surprised they're back in the game and um, you know to be honest with you it doesn't really bother me as much as it would bother uh, you guys. That's fair. I mean. You are right. I mean, they did serve their suspension, and like I said, I I don't think I didn't think that this was going to be the end of them. I did think eventually, you know, they were going to try and move on, and you know, move forward with their careers. Uh, and like you said, they're both you know they both know baseball. You know, they they might have cheated, but that doesn't mean that you know their brains are not equipped to you know handle these you know these tough situations in in a baseball season. So I mean. That's fair. I mean, technically, yeah, they did serve their suspension. They were, you know, they accepted it. They didn't argue it or anything. So, I mean, that's fair. I mean, I, I can't really argue. It's it's tough. I mean, I feel like it's just more about kind of opinions and where you stand on it. I think their reputation will be tarnished, but I don't think that that's going to necessarily uh, stop them from ever trying to, you know, be within the game of baseball again. Yeah, I guess my biggest question is, like, how do the players feel about it? Like, having your manager be suspended. I guess it doesn't make that much of a difference if the Red Sox were also semi-involved in sign stealing. So like, I, 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 that's just my main confusion. Like how does, do the players who we've seen dramatic aggression against the Astros, whether it's from the Oakland athletics, whether it's from the Los Angeles Dodgers, we've seen teams very, very upset with the Astros so how did the Red Sox react with Alex Cora being rehired? I guess that's my my biggest question. But, I mean, he was with the team before. We know they like him. We know he is a good manager. Whether he's cheating or not, he's a good manager. So, I mean, yeah, I think I think you guys make good points in that. Like, they were always expected to come back into the game somehow. So, it's not that big of a surprise. And they have served their sentence in some ways. So... We also wanted to talk about uh, some other stuff that happened with the Blue Jays this week. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez named Silver Slugger in the American League in right field. A recognition of his very good offensive season. He had 16 home runs. He was fourth in, um, I believe it was all of baseball, perhaps only the American League, in um, at-bats per home run. Um, behind only Mike Trout, uh, Luke Voigt, and... Um, Nelson Cruz, I believe. Um, so he he had a tremendous season. Um, getting recognized for it is really nice. And uh, of course, he was injured for part of it. That's why he only hit 16 home runs instead of what we've seen from some other guys like Luke Voigt, who ended the season leading the American League. He didn't hit more, but it was a tremendous season from him. And if he stays healthy for an entire 162 and can bring what he brought to this season into future seasons, um, the adjustments that he made to his swing, to his approach. Um, he's going to be a, a really big bat for the Blue Jays in years to come. Yeah, congratulations to Teoscar Hernandez for doing that. And, uh, you know, something that wasn't uh, surprising, it was kind of expected for him to be, you know, nominated and then, of course, awarded a Silver Slugger Award. Uh, he was, you know, going back to their season, he was the most consistent hitter going back to the last day of July throughout, you know, the entire months of or the 60-game season. He was the best player overall. You know, he was voted amongst the Blue Jays MVP by many. And it's not a surprise. He was their best player all year. Um, you know, the one downfall that comes with this game, of course, he's not the best in terms of fielding. And that's still kind of a work in progress. And I think he's slowly getting better at it, but obviously not perfect at it. But, you know, the hitting this year, a complete jump from what we saw, you know, the past couple years in him. And his numbers really jumped. Uh, they spiked and in a, a really good way. And, you know, the approach was changed. Like you said, Mark, he made a, lots of mechanical adjustments. And I think it was pointed out on the broadcast many times of how, you know, even the way his stance was, the way he swung, his timing, everything was altered. And uh, clearly it worked out for the best. And, 
you know, if he played like this this year, it gets me really excited for what, you know, will be we expect to see out of him in 2021, going back to a full 162. That's what really excites me is that we're going to be getting a full season. Hopefully we get a full season out of the Teoscar Hernandez we got in 2020. And, you know, for someone who's young or at his age, you know, there, there's definitely a lots of room for improvement too. He could probably get even better if you really wanted to. And I think he's got a chance and you can't rule that out. But yeah, he's become one of the main pieces on the Blue Jays. You know, entering before this season, you know, you kind of look back at the trade once they got him from Houston and you're kind of wondering if, if it was going to be worth the hype or worth the excitement that originally thought and maybe that we would come to terms that he wasn't going to be as good as originally predicted. But this year he changed a lot of that. Uh, it changed my opinion on him. And of course now he's one of the best players on the team, one of the most exciting players on the team. And uh, he's quickly turned into one of the main pieces on this team as well. So, you know, with him along with, you know, a lot of the other core players they have, it's a dangerous lineup. And uh, for a team that made the playoffs this year, like I said, they're, there's no question that they could be even better going into 2021, regardless of the moves they make. Uh, they have their main pieces already under contract for many years to come. And uh, Teoscar Hernandez is one of them. So I'm very excited for that. And congratulations to him on winning his first uh, Silver Slugger Award. Can I just say, this is going to sound really bad, but I honestly forgot sports kind of existed after everything ended. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Especially with everything that was happening in the world because mm-hmm. i think they announced this on tuesday night <laughs> which is like good timing major league baseball maybe you want to reconsider your marketing approach because there's a lots of other stuff happening in the world so no i know what you mean with forgetting that it existed yeah but i this season the, oh man it was crazy to watch him i think the the biggest difference uh and breaks and you said this, you know, was the hype or was he going to live up to the hype? And ever since he he had that crazy month in September, in I think it was twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen, one of those uh, seasons, he he came up and he was really good after he came from, from the Astros. And I was you know really excited to watch him, and I've I've been a big fan of his ever since then. So I, and as these seasons have gone on, I'm thinking, oh my god, please, 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 like I really I really want you to do well because I I can see that he has power. He you know, the fielding's a work in progress, but he he could be the next Jose Bautista. Who knows? Uh, I think the the biggest difference between this year and last year is that he's not swinging as much as the outside pitches. And I remember last year, uh, the, the last couple seasons, it was kind of, kind of like Justin Smoke before he broke out, where any type of pitch, any breaking pitch, especially something down and away, even down and up, anything or down, up and away, sorry, anything away he would swing at, and strike out on, whereas they're not seeing that as much this time, or this year, and I think that's just the biggest difference. He's not, he's not over anxious. And I think, I think part of this, I could be wrong, but I think he might realize that he doesn't have to be the guy to perform for the Blue Jays. So he's kind of taking the pressure off of himself because I mean, like we, we all expect this to be a very, very deep lineup. You know, one through nine, even you know, Alejandro Kirk, he, even him. You know, Danny Jansen, unfortunately has struggled with the bat, but once Kurt came in, you know, that lineup was dangerous, and there's even some more prospects coming up that I think, you know, how do you how do you make a lineup with just that many good hitters, and I, I think that might be helping Teoscar, so he doesn't, you know, it's not like if he strikes out, or he gets out, or he doesn't, you know, hit a home run on the, the one pitch that the, the pitcher made a mistake with, then, you know, nobody's going to score for that inning. Uh, I think he kind of sees that and he says well you know what I don't have to be the guy but I can be uh and he I'm definitely seeing some good things out of him he's not swinging as much like I said uh, the fielding it, there were a few mistakes uh, there was one game where I think it was the last play or it should have been the last play of the game but he misplayed it and then the Blue Jays ended up losing that game but hitting is the you know I mean well with fielding he can work on that but his hitting is definitely a strength and it no, it's good. Congratulations. I've, you know, like I said, I've been a f- very fond of this guy for a long time. And, you know, I think this it's funny to see all of the recognition that these Blue Jays players are getting, you know, with Ryu, with Montoyo. It's just, it's like, wow, this seems actually good. You know, <laughs> it's coming, you know, being in Toronto uh, as a fan of also the Raptors, you know, we don't really get the, the American coverage or media attention, you know, when ex- the, ex- hockey's the one exception because, you know, Hockey in Canada is a bit different, but being the only team, you know, it just to see 
less media attention or to see more of it is definitely interesting. Uh, it, I think this is the best way to tell that this team is for real and this team will be good because you're seeing, you know, these guys that typically don't necessarily uh, say, hey, uh, who, who's that guy in Toronto? He's pretty good. You know, they, they kind of just ignore them unless, you know, uh, their team is specifically playing uh, the Canadian team. But you know what? I'm excited. I, I do think a, a full season of Teoscar Hernandez could be very interesting. Uh, even just 162 games. Hopefully that's what ends up happening next year. But, you know, who knows? If he wasn't injured this year, who knows where he could have been. Uh, and I think this is going to be... He, he might be one of the cornerstones of this team for a very long time. And this season, I think we really saw him break out and do what I think we all expected him to do. Or were hoping, you know, and had the expectations after he came over from the Astros. Yeah, I find it interesting, Jacob. You invoked the name of our Lord and Savior, Jose Bautista. Um, which I think is maybe a comparable, um, that, that they might be comparable players. Of course, it's very early to say that, but Hernandez with a breakout season is looking like the type of guy, and we know Bautista won many Silver Slugger awards. He's could be the type of guy that becomes kind of a cornerstone over the next few years for the Blue Jays, whether he's anywhere near as good as Bautista was at his prime, hitting, you know, 50 home runs in a single season. We'll see. But um, he, tremendous season this year. Hopefully he can carry it over. And I do want to correct myself. I said Silver Slugger was announced Tuesday night. It was actually the Gold Gloves that were announced Tuesday night. Silver Sluggers were announced Thursday night. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. But still, interesting decisions for Major League Baseball to have the, uh, the, the announcement show for um, Gold Glove at 8 p.m. Eastern on election night Tuesday. So... Very interesting decision. Um, it was criticized by Jack Flaherty of the St. Louis Cardinals. He was like, does baseball have any feel? I love this game and, incre- and am incredibly grateful, but just a little bit of feel one time. Um, so, yeah, interesting decision by them to try to compete with um, the biggest news story of the last, what, four years? Anyways, um, in other baseball news, um, Vladdy. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has been posting many, many pictures either on his social media or has been doing interviews. And I think in an interview he said he had lost like 30 pounds already this offseason. He's looking a lot more fit. A lot of people are expecting big things of him next season. Um, we've seen this kind of – we've done this drill before. We've seen him say, you know, I've gotten more fit in the offseason. He said this last year. I've gotten more fit. I've worked a lot. I think I'm going to – be able to do better this season. And then, of course, this season we didn't see it. We saw some, I don't know if it was speculation or if he said it directly, that the uh, the the break from March to July hurt him. He wasn't quite as active as he wanted to be. Um, but we're seeing him really commit now to a training schedule. He says he wants to go back to third base, um, which I find is interesting, whether he has any control over that or not, whether it's actually a legitimate chance of him returning to third base um, or not, but it's been interesting to see him pursue um, better training, better fitness, better weight very publicly. And uh, I mean, hopefully we can see him carry over these changes to next season and have it be successful for him. Yeah. um, Just to correct, because everyone had the mistake. um, Everyone was mistaken by this. So apparently he lost for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Since the start of 2020, He's lost 32 pounds, and since the season ended, he's lost 12. So either either or, still very impressive for that. Yeah, I know everyone was kind of um, mistaken by that at first, but either way, uh, still very impressive by him. And uh, I guess based off the pictures he's been posting, you can definitely notice a little bit of a difference. And um, you know, many are wondering um, why this wasn't done sooner. But you know, maybe all it took was for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to you know kind of play a couple years and or you know a season and or almost two full seasons and kind of start to understand that you know the way he was playing in the minor leagues uh won't exactly fully adapt to the major leagues it's a little bit of a different story and I think he's had a little bit of a reality check since doing that of of course he hasn't played horribly but based off what how he was projected to be um he's definitely been a little bit of a disappointment and of course uh his weight has been an issue going back to his days when he was coming up the minor league system and I find it very interesting that he is claiming that he wants to retake third base. And, you know, I just don't see how 
he can. I just I think it, the infield now is getting a little bit too overcrowded with you know regardless of prospects coming up or you know other players in the organization. I don't see how he can retake third base unless I guess he really impresses uh, in the spring next year. And you know the one thing too of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is he showed up to the first spring training you know with weight that he lost, and then he came back in July uh, spring training 2.0. And he pretty much put that weight back on. So everything he did the the previous winter kind of was meant for nothing because he ultimately gained all of that weight back. And um, you know, I, I probably had an impact of his game. Uh, and you know, he's destined to lose more weight, go back to you know to continue to lose weight, more weight than he did, I guess, the last off season. And uh, I think it's come to the fact that he will he needs to lose weight if he wants to play better. And, you know, usually we see this around the game for players who are um, losing weight. And one person that is kind of comparable to, to weight problems is Rafael Devers on Boston. And from what I remember, uh, they a lot of people were talking about in 2019 when he was pretty much a breakout player. He lost a lot of weight compared to a previous year. And this year in 2020, he actually put some of the weight back on and his numbers kind of dipped this year. So... You know, I guess there is some proof that if you do lose weight, you play better. And for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he definitely has to make some changes to his game if he wants to over-succeed at the major league level like he was supposed to be a few years ago. But for him going back to third, regardless how how much weight he loses, going back to third base, I just it seems unrealistic to me at this point. And, you know, who knows if the Jays even want that to happen. And going back to 2019 when he played third base, he had a... You know, he, he wasn't exactly the best fielder as well. The one thing about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. that is uh, well-known around the game of baseball and all of us, of course, we know that he has a very strong arm, and that's the best part about his game if he played third base. But he made a lot of errors in 2019 at third base, regardless if it was his weight or not. Uh, he just didn't look comfortable there. And maybe, you know, if him losing weight will help him. I just, I again, I don't see how him going back to third base is realistic at this point, unless there's some sort of injury in the lineup or a trade where he has to be a filler over there. I just, I don't, I like him better at first base. Um, I just think it's a lot less crowded with him at third base. If it was for him at third base, you know, you have prospects who are on the way up as well. Someone like Jordan Groshans, like where's, if he, if you're going to go back to third, third base for Vlad, where's he going to fit in the lineup if he eventually comes up in 2021? So things like that kind of complicate things, but for him to go out of his way and to start losing weight, I think that's very good news. And I think that, it's been, first of all, it's been well-received around many. A lot of people are very happy with uh, the pictures they've seen and, you know, the work that he's been putting in. And you hope that he shows up to spring training in 2021, you know, completely under the weight he was in 2020. And everyone hopes that makes an impact on his game, like a lot of people are saying it will. So we have to believe it to see it, or we have to see it to believe it, sorry. And um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. definitely has to start picking it up if he wants to be, you know, recognized as... Um, you know, a future all-star or a future player that is going to be dominant in the game and not just an average, everyday first baseman. Uh, you mentioned Jordan Groshans coming up, uh, potentially taking over third base. I also wanted to point out Austin Martin, still probably a year or two away, but another infielder. So I, I, I don't think uh, Vladdy moving to third base is really in uh, is really dependent on his fitness level. I think that would help, but... You know, they have two other guys that they have to, you know, find a spot for. And, I mean, Austin Martin's pretty versatile. Both of them are versatile, actually. But, you know, if you move them to the outfield, then what do you do with your outfielders? It's just, I think, unfortunately, I don't want to say unfortunately, but just given how many good players that the Blue Jays have that can play in the infield, I think Vladdy's just going to stay at first base. Uh, he's going to stay in the lineup regardless, but I don't want him to be a primary DH because as... As we saw with uh, Edwin Encarnacion and Kendrys Morales, that just does not work, having a full-time DH. Uh, but I think, first of all, Vladdy losing weight, that it's it shows that he, like you said, it's a wake-up call. He wants to do well. And I think a, lo- a lot of this also might be because of how good his teammates are. And he, he's seen guys that he literally grew up uh, in the minors with, you know, Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, they came up with him and now they're playing well. And Vladdy has unfortunately not been as good as we expected him to. And even guys like Teoscar Hernandez, you have all these players that are, uh, that are young like him and they are performing better than he was expected to. So he's saying, 
well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be the one, uh, the one, uh, what's the word for it? You know, the one outlier where, you know, I'm the, the guy that people remember as, oh, he was supposed to be good, but he's never, or he wasn't as good. But, uh, th- this is good. I think the, the closeness of the team is definitely helping. The criticism of Vladdy, I think, is definitely wor- working. But I say working is in a kind of a, a weird way because he said in a in a it was a one of those documentaries before a, a Blue Jays broadcast with Hazel May where he said the criticism motivates him to work well or to keep working and to improve. And I mean, hey, it's it's proving that he's doing that and last year he came into spring training or this year I should say he came into spring training saying he had started lifting weights for the first time and he's really trying to improve uh, obviously the, the shutdown and coming into summer camp he didn't come in or he came in a lot heavier and he he wasn't uh, as good as or in as good shape as he was was like four months before or six months but he you know now he has a full off season. he has people that are saying look if you want to play major league baseball, you have to be you have to be fit, and you know having a bit of body fat. I was listening to one of Greg Zahn's uh, Instagram lives, and he said, you know, body fat is, you know, excess body fat is not good, but you need to have some body fat or else you know you can't survive a full six month, eight month, you know, regular season and then into the postseason. So, you know, if he's if he's able to slim down but also keep the muscle, because you got to be like I said, you can't you know be skinny but have, you know, no muscle. You you have to, it's like a combination. It's, it, you can't have one without the other. So it, if he's losing weight, that's good. He will improve his athleticism, but also he, the, the weights I think are definitely a must for him. His arm is very good. His swing looks good. Uh, I've, we've all seen those videos of him doing batting practice at the Rogers Center, easily uh, getting second or even fifth deck sometimes. And he definitely, he has the power to be or he has the potential to be very powerful in the league, and I think the criticism is probably going to help unlock that in a way. You know, he's saying, okay, well, I don't want to be the guy that people look at as, you know, not the the guy that everyone expected, or I'm the one guy that the Blue Jays have, one of their young draft picks that didn't end up being what they expected. It, it, hey, you know what? If it's motivating him, and it's helping him get to where he needs to be, then I'm all for it, and it's great to see the motivation in somebody so young. He's not saying, eh, whatever, you know, I can, I'm young. I can, you know, do better just by you know, trying harder. No, he's really, he's putting in the work. And I think the, the big thing now is he just needs to be sustained because like we said, he came into spring training looking good, but then he came into summer camp, not looking so good. So is, if he's able to stay fit and continue that, then the league better look out. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between, a, having XX body fat and still being successful, like we see some players who can do it. I mean, guys that come to mind, Prince Fielder, um, Pablo Sandoval, these are players who were successful despite being larger body frames. But I think for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., it wasn't working. And whether that was because of his body fat or because of, you know, he maybe just wasn't training enough, I get the feeling that he's someone who... You know, he's the son of a Hall of Famer. He's someone who has kind of had it made throughout his life, it seems like. It seems like he's always been the best player. He hasn't really faced a challenge, and he didn't face a challenge coming up through the minor leagues until he got to the major league level, and he struggled. So I think whether this is actually about body fat or whether it's just about training and putting your mind to something and focusing to to be better and beat the competition potentially for the first time in his life um I think either way this is going to be a success for him and I think it's really encouraging to see him trying to do this now when it comes to moving him back to third base that doesn't make any sense to me I don't think it makes sense for the Blue Jays I don't think that's something they are going to pursue or try to do because I he's going to move to first base eventually at some point in his career so it makes no sense after they've already transitioned him to first to move him back to third base only to move him back to first base in what three years maybe four years optimistically I it just doesn't make sense to me I think 
they've already been the bullet. They've already made the transition. Yes, there's been some ugly moments on foul pop-ups or, um, you know, he doesn't quite make the stretch or he runs over to get a ground ball and then there's no one covering first. Yes, there's been some ugly moments, but hopefully we can set those behind us. He'll improve this offseason um, through his training as we're talking about and we won't see those in the future. So to me, it makes no sense to move him back to third, only to move him back to first after a few years. So I say stick with him at first. But yeah, it's encouraging to see him working like this through the offseason, and hopefully it yields real results next season. Um, the last thing we wanted to touch on today was a little bit of news we got um, over the past few days about Justin Turner. Of course, um, after the World Series, we heard pretty much immediately after the last out was recorded that Justin Turner tested positive. Um, he, We were told he was removed from the dugout um, and he was not playing that game um, and he would isolate. And then a couple minutes later, while the celebration is going on, we see him on the field after testing positive for COVID-19 without a mask, very close to other people. And apparently a security guard asked him to step off the field. He refused. According to these reports, um, there was an investigation by Major League Baseball. Um, Turner just issued an apology, but there's no suspension. There's no punishment for Justin Turner. Um, First off, this was stupid of Justin Turner. I think we can all acknowledge that very clearly. It was a very stupid decision to not just put your team at risk, but put everyone at risk, whether it's the media on the field, whether it's the the Tampa Bay Rays, um, although he probably wasn't in close contact with the Rays after they just lost the World Series, um, whether it was coaching staff, whether it was the family of other players, um, it was an incredibly dangerous decision and stupid decision for Justin Turner to flout protocol, flout um, you know the decisions that have been made, and largely the success of Major League Baseball. It had been like 60 days since the last positive test, but um, Justin Turner, in my mind, ruined that, but I don't think we can place all of the blame on him. I think Major League Baseball dropped the ball on this. I think they made a mistake in not applying this rule, right? It's not up to Justin Turner to just stay in his hotel room. It's up to Major League Baseball to actually force him to stay in his hotel room, in my mind, and you know have him taken off the field when he's on the field when he's not supposed to be. So just Everyone making mistakes in this situation, a horrible decision by Justin Turner, a mistake by Major League Baseball, um, just kind of a a bad way to end the season when otherwise it's been a fairly successful season. Bumps along the way, but fairly successful overall. Yeah, and um, going back to last night, I don't know if you guys saw this, but it was announced that five members of the LA Dodgers organization and a family member have tested positive for COVID-19. And of course, you know, at this point, you, there's no there's no surprise and there's no shock to that happening. And the one thing I want to look at is, and I think you guys too, like Major League Baseball lucked out because say Tampa won and there was going to be a Game 7, what, like the, the World Series would have had to shut down for like almost almost two weeks just to play one game because pretty yeah, much... Yeah, that's a nightmare yeah, scenario. The entire Dodgers team was exposed, every single member of the team. And in terms of that, the whole team would have had to quarantine, I'm sure, to precaution... Tampa would have had a quarantine. The family members would have had a quarantine. And going back to all sports, this was the first time, I think, in a bubble scenario, we saw a positive test. Because, of course, in the NBA and NHL bubbles, there was no positive tests. And for Major League Baseball here, there was a positive test in the bubble. So that kind of another question comes, how how did he get it? You know, what was he doing um, in terms of, you know, in between games? It wasn't really, uh, I guess I shouldn't even call it a bubble. It was kind of like a loose bubble. Like, it was just pretty much them being in the same city. I think they were still allowed to go places, but it wasn't secure. It was a neutral site, so that kind of complicated things a little bit too. But for Justin Turner, I guess if you want to look at it from his perspective, you know, he's uh, he's been part of that LA – he's been part of the Dodgers for many years. He's been part of those teams who have failed to win a World Series pretty much every year uh, other than this year. He's a free agent. It could have been his last game with the Dodgers – and um, that's probably one of the reasons why he went back on the field, of course. It was his first World Series win. But in a year of 2020, you can't support that and you can't really understand that in terms of him doing that and pretty much saying, screw it, screw the protocol, screw everything that you know we played for this year for us to finish a season and to finish a playoff uh, you know, loose bubble or whatever you want to call it. Screw it because it's over 
and I want my share of the World Series. I want to hold the trophy. I want to, you know, and, and in terms of that, it came with him exposing everyone, including his family, um, and including pretty much, you know, commissioners, everyone who was on that field was exposed. And, you know, I have a hard time believing that the team quarantined after as well. I think they kind of, it, it just felt, felt like they just said, screw it, that the season's over. But I just look back at it and it, what a horrible look it is on them. And the fact that he wasn't punished too, that was shocking uh, around to everyone. No matter what it could have been, he should have been fined. Something should have happened. Maybe a suspension to begin 2021 where he has to sit out a, an X amount of games. But he pretty much got off Scott hand free. And now he's like, it's just something that I guess Major League Baseball wants to kind of, you know, slip away for us to, you know, to forget about. And when you look at it, it's a little, it's just, it's very frustrating to see that because it took away from the actual game because it's just something that we all, it's just something that we all, um, you know, it's just, we were supposed to be talking about a World Series champion. And then of course, after the, the game's over, it's announced that he tested positive and that's the reason why he left the game. So that took away from it a bit because a lot of people were talking about that and how irresponsible it was. And yeah, it's not just Justin Turner's fault. It definitely is um, ML, the MLB's fault too, because you know, in terms of leaving him in the the locker or the clubhouse and giving him a chance to go on the field, you know, probably part part of the protocol if you get it during the game, he should have been escorted out back to a hotel room where he could isolate by himself. He should have been nowhere near the field after he was pulled, or sorry, nowhere near the uh, the stadium. He should have been completely sent to a hotel to isolate. You know, maybe it's a false positive, but still, you can't take you know, you got to take the proper precautions like they did all year. And, you know, we went through many scenarios this year where it looked like the sport was going to shut down with, you know, the entire Marlins getting COVID or sorry, half of it, or at least over half of it. Same with the Cardinals, you know, the Phillies had, there was a many teams that had a small outbreak to uh, an outbreak that wiped out half the team. And when you look at it, it just kind of takes away the whole purpose of how they tried to finish the season. And when I look at it, yes, I know the season's over. So technically, you know, there's also people saying, you know, who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But what if Tampa won that game and there needed to be a game seven? Like I just, the, the game could have probably been playing, a game seven probably would have started, you know, almost like a week or maybe even this week, depending on how many people got infected, you know, the two week quarantine or whatever, the recommended two week quarantine, the consecutive negative tests, it would have been a complete nightmare. And who knows how a World Series champion would have been crowned if that was, you know, a scenario. So, you know, MLB kind of lucked out a little bit from that. But of course, they don't look good from it. And especially not penalizing Justin Turner makes it even more weird because, you know, there was multiple statements that were released. And of course, Justin Turner was apologetic. Of course, he's going to say that. But was he really apologetic, though? Because he, clearly he didn't care if he had COVID. He went on the field and held the World Series trophy with this family, with this kid there, with the other team there, like with the commissioner on the field. Like You know, that's why a lot of these statements, and we all know this, that it's kind of, you know, it's not really him being honest. I just have a hard time believing that he really cares about that because of his actions. But, you know, I just, the fact that he got off without a punishment is completely shocking to me. And, you know, it's not a good look on Commissioner Manfred as well. And, you know, we all know how um, his image is around the game already to begin with. And, uh, you know, first of all, his speech too to Corey Seager when he won the MVP, uh, something was wrong there. So I don't know what was going on with him in that speech, but uh, it was just a weird process after the game. Even that was being talked about, but it just takes away from the World Series a little bit. Like I said, we were, they were talking just as much about Justin Turner testing positive than the actual game. Uh, and that's why it kind of bothered me a bit. And I think it just slapped in the face to all the protocols they went through this year. You know, one of the reasons why they weren't playing for what, two, three months, and we had to sit through months of wondering if they're gonna come back. These were one of the reasons why, other than money, and it's just, you know, it's disappointing that he was, you know, off the hook for this. But it is what it is. Uh, it's something that just harms the reputation for him for a while. And, you know, just add it to the list for Rob Manfred, who isn't well-liked around the game to begin with. But, you know, not just Justin Turner's fault. Major League Baseball's fault as well for, you know, not handling it properly and giving him the temptation to go back on the field, especially after they won a World Series. Yeah, it, it was 100% irresponsible. Uh, I... I guess if you want to play devil's advocate you can argue that Justin Turner was already with his team uh, for the duration of the game before he was pulled I don't know how much of a 
or how, how much uh, substance that argument would really get because, I mean, obviously once you know that you tested positive, then you should obviously isolate. can't just say, well, I've already been in contact with you, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't know. I think it's it's a tough situation. If it was me, I think I, I would have put on, you know, a mask. I would have distanced from everybody, but I might have at least... And when I say distance, I mean maybe like 20, 30 feet from everybody on the field and at least watched the the presentation of the trophy, all these, you know, the World Series MVP, all that type of stuff. I would have watched that, would have been a part of it because like you said, Justin Turner has been a part of that team, the team that was not able to get to the World Series and, you know, literally probably the one time that he will win a World Series is, you know, he unfortunately can't be with be with his team. So I do get his going onto the field sort of but at the same time I do think he should have been punished look I, I think it's fair to say a lot of people would have done the same thing regardless of whether it's the right decision or not I, I don't think it is but you know it's 2020 anything happens it's I don't know but uh it's I think he should have at least done something because like I said I, I he should have wore a mask he should have been distance so even if he were to cough nobody could possibly you know pick up his germs but what we saw he was with his team he was doing that that picture where everyone's sitting together and then he ripped his mask off and he was with his wife he was kissing his wife well I guess you can argue that he's going to quarantine with his wife probably anyways but still that's irresponsible to be to know that you you can transmit this virus to people and you still you you didn't care I mean like I said a mask uh glove like I don't know what other than a mask he could have used but he should have done something at least if he was going to be on the field uh, because it doesn't look good major league baseball was the only sport that tried to implement a bubble that actually had a positive test on the field everybody else the nba the nhl i think it was you had to have two consecutive negative tests or 14 days of quarantine or whatever it was but nobody was positive for the duration of both uh, the nba and the nhl's playoffs but the one bubble that A, allowed fans in, and B, was kind of all over the United States is the one that had a positive test. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, obviously, uh, positive tests are not good, and we see the U.S. how COVID is just spreading everywhere, and especially in Canada. It's just to see how... To see somebody with this virus just clearly break protocol, I think it just sums up that everyone's kind of sick of it. doesn't mean the virus is over. doesn't mean that you can just, you know move on with your life obviously there's still precautions that need to be taken place but it's just it's unfortunate that you know for Justin Turner that a he got he was test positive and it's unfortunate that he broke these protocols and just said eh, well whatever but at the same time for Major League Baseball it does not look good that like I said the only bubble to have fans in the stadium uh the only bubble to have people from all over the the country just coming in uh, and just uh, just coming in from other places and just not really isolating. Because you got to think, you know, the, the Rays, they went from Tampa Bay, they went to, I think it was San Diego, to then, uh, where was it, Arlington. So they, they uh, you know, everybody was in contact with a lot of different people. So it, it's just, it doesn't look good for Major League Baseball, like I said, the one sport that had an infection. And it's just, I don't know, I... It's very conflicting because at the same time, I think a lot of people, whether they won't admit it or not, I think they would have gone out on the field, obviously in a safer way than he did, but it just, it's, I think he should have been punished. That's, I don't think people wouldn't or would have done anything different except maybe wear a mask, you know, not take it off, but I think he still should have been punished regardless of what happened. Yeah, I think no one's denying how much it would suck to not be on the field after you win the World Series. But also, like, you're endangering other people. Like, as Bryson mentioned, five other Dodgers personnel have tested positive. Like, this is a super spreader event now because of what Justin Turner did. So, it was a stupid decision, and I can, I guess, partly understand his desire to go back on the field. But if you're going to go on the field, wear a mask. Stay distanced. You're, hopefully your team knows that you tested positive at this point. So just stand back. Say if someone tries to hug you or celebrate or whatever, just be like, hey man, remember, I tested positive earlier today. Stay away from me. Um, yeah, it, it, 
I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Um, but, alas, um, here we are, always complaining about MLB's decisions. Um, I think that'll wrap things up for today. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of the podcast. Um, obviously, lots of stuff to talk about today. And uh, we'll probably be back within two weeks to talk about more of the news that's pouring in in the offseason. The offseason has officially started. Free agency has started. No action so far for the Blue Jays, but we have yet to see what they might do. So thanks for tuning in. You can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Section138Pod to stay up to date with everything we're doing. And until then, we'll catch you next week.